Hey everyone, welcome back to the Living Bold Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley. Thank you so much for listening today and tuning in. We have an incredible episode for you all today. We have a special guest, Michelle Khan. She is a doctor turned health coach, and her main mission is to help you heal holistically and keep you off medication for good. You all are going to hear an incredibly inspiring journey from her perspective of courage, strength, vulnerability, and a true act of self-love. And she really shows you uh, from the ground up how to work with your body, your mind, your food, everything all in one, and kind of how she got to where she is today. Also showing you how to live a life that you can truly love from the inside out. And I am so excited for you all to listen to this episode. I think this is going to be one that you come back to over and over again. There were so many incredible moments that were shared and a lot of great insight. So I hope you all enjoy and let's go on to the episode. Michelle, thank you so much for being on my podcast today. So if you guys do not know, uh, Michelle is a doctor turned health coach and you are going to absolutely love the information that we chat about today. It's going to be real casual, some coffee talk. So pour yourself some coffee, some tea, and we're going to get started. So Hey, Michelle. <laughs> Hi, Ash. I'm so happy to be here. I was actually just telling Ash before we started, I am like the biggest fangirl of the podcast. So it's surreal to be on this side of it. No, no, I'm, that's how I feel on this side right now. <laughs> you have taught me so much over the years. Uh, I believe when I first found your, I actually found your page, I believe through a makeup video that you did. Probably. As we all have, I think, dabbled. <laughs> Um, and you obviously always have flawless makeup. If you guys have not seen Michelle, I mean, I'm not seeing you in person, but I'll, over this video, she is flawless. So let me just say that. Um, so whatever she's eating and doing is working. Okay. Um, but no, we, I found you through there. And then through there I had learned, I think you were going through your journey of transitioning and creating your business. And I've really seen you create it from the ground up, which is so inspiring. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about kind of how that even happened? I mean, you are a doctor, yep. but you are now a health coach and like that whole, the whole journey. You know, I used to say that I left medicine to become a health coach and I could never really find the right word to use. Like I, I used ex-doctor turned health coach and I tried left medicine to become a health coach and all a bunch of I think more negatives. And then recently I actually was watching or listening to rather another podcast, the um, archetypes podcast with um, Meghan Markle and Serena Williams's episode. And Serena was talking, not, not to like put myself anywhere near this, you know, <laughs> giant and icon of a woman, but she used the word evolve when she evolved out of tennis mm to work full-time on her business and being a mother and everything else that she does. And ever since then, I was like, I'm going to use the word evolve. So I, that hit, that hit home for me. I evolved out of medicine at a certain point after a full life of wanting to be a doctor. I basically like came out of the womb <laughs> wanting to be a doctor. And I never really explored what is it at the core um, what is it that I actually want to do and how can I achieve that? Because there isn't one right path in life to anything. Right. And I think all of us, maybe not all of us, but I certainly grew up thinking, okay, there's one cookie cutter path and everything is just like sunshine and rainbows. Everything happens as you plan it to happen. And how not true is that? <laughs> right. 
So I, yeah, I I went to school like gung-ho wanting to become a doctor. And after high school, I started medical school right away. So I did a six-year program. Um, So if people don't know, you can go into undergrad and then apply to medical school, or you can do five or six-year programs that start directly after high school. Okay. The undergrad. I knew that, yeah. Hmm. So I went to the Royal College of Surgeons in Ireland. I was 17 when I moved to Ireland and jumped into medical school. Like, what was I doing? (laughs) I want to pause for a second. As you said that, I'm just thinking of, you know, 17 year old you jumping into something like this. First of all, I didn't even really realize that you could do that. I personally never knew that that's new information to me. So can you talk about, um, cause I feel like feelings are all interconnected with this too, right? You said that you, I'd always wanted to do this. This was your path. You hadn't really thought about anything else, but whenever you got there, I guess, what was your first feelings? Like, how did you feel leaving there? I mean, you left your family, right? And yeah. everything. I was like a fish out of water, but to paint the picture, I was such an excellent student, pretty effortlessly in high school. And then I went to this incredible university where everyone is cream of the crop. Mm. And I was 17 and I'm a Pakistani girl, like an Asian Canadian moving to Europe for the first time at 17. So you can imagine, I really just went (laughs) off the deep end where I was like, just (laughs) loving this newfound freedom and the ability to express myself however I wanted outside of any culture, cultural influences or any, you know, when you're growing up as a Pakistani um, and obviously in a lot of other cultures, but I can only speak on mine. You really think through what will other people say about your actions before you even consider what do you feel about your actions? So I had a full moment of at 17, I'm living abroad. I'm like in this incredible, but also very challenging program. But who am I? Yes. Like outside of your family and outside of your norms that you knew. Outside of who I was supposed to be. Mm, Okay. And I think that part is so important to share because it really connects how this was such a key part of my story and really led me to years down the line, realizing this isn't me and this isn't what I want to do, even though I've commit myself to this path. And I know there's going to be a lot of opinions about, you know, someone like me leaving medicine to go and do something off the beaten path altogether. But I had so much practice at this point that I really by the end of it had so much conviction for my own intuition that I was able to do it pretty seamlessly, I think. Um, But at that point, so I'm 17, I've just moved abroad and I get really sick. Mm. I actually deal with keloids and keloids, if anyone doesn't know, are like hypertrophic scars. So instead of your body healing and just closing your skin as it was before, it overproduces scar tissue. And so you get this thick raised, different colored scar where that injury was. And as um, a graduation present from high school, my mom had taken me to a plastic surgeon to have them removed because they were impeding a lot of my daily activities out of just the sheer pain of them. And aesthetically they weren't um, 
really received well by society. And I thought at this point that they should be gone. So I went to a plastic surgeon and long story short, because I was moving to Ireland and I just had that one summer after I graduated, before I moved, the surgeon sped up the process of injecting me with steroids in the scar. Okay. But you should never speed up a treatment like that. And I ended up being one of the very, very, very few that actually has a reaction called Cushing syndrome, where I had a steroid overdose. Wow. So if you've ever seen like an athlete that takes steroids and very obviously takes steroids to bulk, that's what happened to little old me that was 17. And like in my prime, I got Cushing's and my body started bulking up. I developed a complete shift in my appearance. My face tripled in size. All the hair from my head fell off. The hair on my body grew in like a male pattern. Um, this I, had seems, my- I mean, was this, I'm just hearing you say all of this. So, you know, the shock on my face, I don't think that I realized this. And I mean, I'm sure to you, was this slightly, I mean, traumatizing? Did this kind of feel like a slight trauma in your life at this time? I mean, you're so young too, but yeah. aware. Yeah so aware, so young, I was so impressionable and I was vulnerable because this is the first time I really have any taste of independence and I'm trying to make it. You're in this like world-renowned program and you're learning to care for other people. Yeah, a lot of pressure. You're learning to be the best care provider possible, but you're suffering. Mm. And I share this again, because all of these things, you know, at the time I used to think, why is this happening to me? Or, you know, what, what reason could there possibly be? And nothing really seemed like, okay, you know, there's a lesson in this, but now retrospectively, I'm like, wow, if those things hadn't happened to me back to back to back, and there's a million things that happened after that, I would not have got to the point where I had such, like I said, complete conviction over medicine is absolutely not actually for me. And I, Mm want to be a care provider in a completely different capacity. So anyways, long story short, I was really sick. My entire appearance changed, my health changed. And that was just one of the initial, I guess, key elements of all the things that started happening back to back, like I mentioned, that piled on and gave me an exposure to not only being the patient, but being a caregiver, my mom got really sick while I was in medical school too. She was on her deathbed for a while. And like I said, I'm, so I'm a patient, I'm a caregiver and I'm a physician all at the same time. And I think that just amalgamated into this acute awareness of what was missing for me, having been on the other side of things. Yes. And what kind of provider I wanted to be in the long run for people that were dealing with pain like we were. Yes. Uh, I'm honestly speechless right now. That is one, an incredible story and something to, I don't know, just um, like a testimony for others to hear something like this that might be in a similar situation and seeing how you have, I don't want to say come out of it, but maybe using your word, you've evolved from all of these things. And like you said, if this had never happened and you specifically hadn't experienced so many, um, I would say traumatic events at a young age that caused you to have that perspective so clearly. Um, I think that is, you know, the reason that those things happen because I look at you now and it's like, you would never think 
that something like this would be going on. Never. Um, it's very inspiring. And you were, you were so strong to have Thank gone through you. something like this. And then also just to be a doctor in general, like my mind doesn't work like this, right? Like, let me, from, from my mind, like I could never be a doctor. I think maybe when I was little, I like, oh, I want to be a vet or something. Right. But I have always had such respect for doctors, nurses, anybody in the medical field, because I know it is, I would consider it a talent. Yes. You have to be diligent in school and all of those things um, and learning. But I also believe, like you said, you are a caretaker. And the fact that you put that in your mindset first shows me just like how passionate you are about helping people. And I think that at the core is someone who's a, a doctor, you're a caretaker, which Absolutely. I think is so beautiful. Um, okay. So now we're, we're at the point where you've kind of realized a lot of these things and you have this perspective. Um, I, I'm sorry. I'm still kind of like in shock that you went through all that at the same time. I'm just thinking, okay, you had that perspective where you kind of were you numb to it? Were you soaking in the emotion? Were you, or were you just like moving forward? Like, how are you dealing with this? Oh, I wasn't dealing with it. <laughs> I was absolutely moving forward because no one um, at that time really was speaking on a wide scale or on a public forum about these vulnerable things. Mm -hmm. If you're in this competitive career path and you know, you're in this like reputable program and there's all these expectations of you. It is not easy to then say I'm struggling because you actually have to be cutthroat to make it. Mm -hmm. You have to be flawless to make it. You're not allowed to say like, you know, I'm not doing okay. And maybe you are allowed to say it, but it's not encouraged. It's really not. And mm -hmm. I maybe look down upon if you do, or you felt that it was. Yeah, yeah. totally. I remember back in the day, there used to be this like unspoken competition of who makes it to the library earlier, who takes the least amount of breaks, who leaves the library last, who can sleep the least, who can, you know, just like break you being rewarded. You think you're getting rewarded for putting in the most effort and work and being the one who does the most. Yeah. But to your own detriment, right? You are never once taught you have to care for yourself if you're going to care for others. That is not a part of the culture whatsoever. It's like selfish. It's, it's deemed as selfish maybe in a way. Yes. Or I think it, it's also deemed as being a weakness hmm. to not be able to withstand everything because everyone else is. That's interesting. But little do you know, yeah. right? Little do you know, everyone is struggling everyone is suffering. Everyone has their own story. Everyone has their own past, the demons, the, the, the difficulties, yeah. but no one is saying it's okay to share them. It's okay to not be okay. I will help you through it. I won't judge you for it. I won't feel like I'm winning because you're suffering. Yeah. But that was the culture that if someone's suffering, it's like one less competition. That's intense. Very, that very, is, that is very intense. Um, yeah. And like you said, you were kind of just, you were saying you weren't dealing with it. You were just kind of going through it. That's because at that point I'm, you know, that's maybe all that you knew, um, totally. to, to, to get through a season like this. So, um, kind of moving on from there, when did you start, when did it spark to you to say, yeah, I'm not okay. And this isn't okay. I've been through, you know, A, B, and C, 
when, when did all of that hit you? And that, like, I guess, when did you make the shift into becoming more mindful or letting that be known that, Hey, I need to care for myself. If I, you know, am going to care for others. It was actually after I graduated medical school at the Royal college, I had moved home at this point from Ireland to Mississauga, Ontario. And I decided, um, I needed to actually put a, a bit of a gap between my graduation and my applying for residency locally. And so I decided I was going to go back to school just because I needed something productive to do to justify why I wasn't applying to residency okay. right away. And in retrospect, again, I should have just taken time to, you know, be myself and heal. But I thought you just have to keep going. You have to keep racking up accolades. Otherwise it's a stain on your application or it's your it's a stain on your quality as a doctor. So I did what like every overachiever does. And I applied to Harvard and I got into um, a clinical studies program where I studied um, statistical analysis and drug development. Um, and it was a master certification program. And I was doing that. I gave myself a year to really figure out what it was that didn't feel right because at this point I hadn't pinpointed it yet. I, I okay. just knew I wasn't ready to apply to residency. I knew that I would feel so cynical and numb and not my best provider self if I jumped into that path right away. And I just had this doomsday feeling of this isn't right for me. And I can't actually see myself practicing, which I thought like, you know, maybe everyone is like this. Maybe they actually can't visualize themselves in their career. Yeah. Um, but that's not true. A lot of people really can visualize themselves in their career. And another thing is I used to think, you know, maybe everyone dreads waking up in the morning. Maybe everyone, you know, feels this sense of doom when they wake up and when they're faced with all the responsibilities they have in terms of their career in the day. But that's also not true. A lot of people actually love their career and wake up excited to go do it. And I was definitely in the former category. So I was doing my program. I was writing my board exams. I got them all taken care of. So I wrote three board exams for the States and two board exams for Canada. So five board exams in a year, it was a lot. And the, at the same time, I um, actually met my husband and this is very important because yeah. this man came out of nowhere. We have nothing in common in terms of our life trajectories. I met him on a Muslim dating app and he was just so meant to be in my life. He's an entrepreneur and I used to tell him about my daily habits, my daily life and, you know, all my stresses and what my next path was going to look like and what residency or being a partner to someone in residency was going to look like. And he just kept encouraging me that, you know, there's a, he never said it directly because I don't think that he wanted to deter me from this path that I was so quote unquote passionate about, but he also just said, you know, there's so much good that you can do in this world. If you don't feel healthy, if you don't feel joy on the path that you're on, maybe just rethink it. Mm -hmm. All he had to say was rethink it. He didn't have all the answers. 
He was right. not a part of the medical world at all. And to, to him, I would say like, no, I have no choice. You go to medical school, you become a doctor, you work as a doctor. And that's, that's the path. <laughs> that's the path. That's like the robotic belt that you're on. And so he didn't really have all the answers for me either, but all he had to do was plant that seed of just rethink it. But you know what you even saying that I'm, I'm just thinking this, um, saying it out loud, but him coming from, you know, he wasn't in your family and he wasn't necessarily a part of everything that you had experienced or felt very um, connected to. And yeah. in terms of why maybe you felt like you had to do something and that was the path. And I, ha I just feel like this and I don't know why, but that's just how you feel. Okay. Totally. Um, and he kind of came out of a, a third party, if you will, perspective and showed you, it's like, yeah, like you said, he doesn't have the answers, but he can see something is off yeah, and sees what you could do. It's like you're the potential for the talent and um, what's inside of you. So I think that that is so beautiful. And sometimes all it does is take that little extra, maybe person or a sign or whatever you think um, to kind of pull that out of us. But it was there all along. Like you, you, you've, but you had been feeling the feeling yeah. and you knew something, but you couldn't maybe process it or pull it out. You know, I think I just needed someone to give me permission. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's strong. Yeah. Mm. Um, and at that point I, I, he used to say to me all the time, why don't you talk to your family about this? You know, if this is weighing on you so heavily, because I used to say to him, you know, in the long run, I don't want to practice medicine. I, I don't know what I want to do, but I don't see myself doing this forever. And he used to just say, just talk to your family. Stop walking on eggshells with the people that care about you and you need to be vulnerable with. And at that point, that stop walking on eggshells hit me hard. I was offended. I was like, how dare you tell me or accuse me that I'm walking on eggshells? But he was right. <laughs> I just didn't want to hear it. Right. You had and, a bit of a, it's your family. You had a bit of a defense mechanism up against yeah. it. You know, yeah. Asha, I used to say like, no, this is me. Like, this isn't my expectations. This isn't my, you know, indoctrination. This is me. And it took someone being like, it's obviously not. <laughs> yeah. Consider that maybe it's not for me to say, oh, <laughs> I didn't love hearing that, but you're right. It's not. And um, at this point I was practicing and this is where it really hit home for me. I was working in a family medicine clinic um, in a city nearby. And we used to sometimes see patients with the consultants that were actually responsible for the clinic. Sometimes we'd see them on our own as elective students or trainee doctors. Um, and so there's this one day I remember it was just, I, I feel like God planned this day. I had seen back-to-back -back patients all day long, but I had probably only seen like five in an entire day because I spent so long with each patient talking to them about their lives, their worries, their needs, giving them like mental health counseling, yeah. talking to them about their nutrition, about their joys, their, their suffering. And they loved it. I know they loved it. They afterwards went feel the connection when, exactly. you know, they needed it. 
And these were patients that I had already seen prior during my, my period of work at this clinic. And I knew that they were regulars. They would come in every few weeks with the exact same symptoms. They never felt any better. And all we ever did was change their medication and dismiss them and say, come back in another three weeks. And so they did. And that was just a part of their lifestyle. Like at that point. But after those conversations, and I don't know why, but I know it was for a reason and it was from a higher power. That day was just five different key patients from completely different walks of life and different types of suffering that just needed love and attention and time. And I could do that because I didn't actually have a fiscal responsibility to the clinic. I could spend as long as I wanted with the patient because to everyone else, it was like, it's a learning opportunity. So the trainee doctor can do whatever they want. (laughs) And then finally, at the end of the day, there was one patient left. And so the consultant doctor said, okay, we'll just see this patient together. So I go into the room. It's a female. She's in her thirties and she comes in with headaches and she's explaining to the doctor what she's dealing with. And she gets cut off. And the doctor, first of all, has already been going "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm," and then cuts her off and says, is there any chance you're pregnant? And in my head, because again, I'm a training doctor, every time I'm hearing a patient's complaint, I'm thinking in my mind of like all the different possibilities that could be occurring. And when someone comes in with a headache, I'm not thinking pregnancy. I'm thinking, is she sleeping? Is she really stressed? Is she eating? Has she been drinking water? Is she over caffeinated? What's going on in her life? Like those are the kinds of things I'm thinking about immediately. And at that point, you're also like, well, what do I know? Right. Yeah. You you know better. So the trainee at the time, if you will. Right. So in my mind, I'm like, whoops, like I was totally on the wrong train of thought. Um, I'll ask him about it later. The, the patient says, no, there's absolutely no chance that I'm pregnant. And he's like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah, (laughs) I'm pretty sure. He's like, you know what? Why don't you just go do this test anyway. So he gives her the urine cup, asks her to go to the bathroom, come back, and then we'll do the dipstick. And as the lady leaves, I turn around to him and I'm like a little sheepish to ask why we're even considering pregnancy, because now I'm thinking of all the like deep down the road complications of pregnancy that could, you know, result in headache. And he's like, ah, you know, she, she's, probably tired, hasn't been sleeping. Maybe there's something going on in her life. We're just going to send her home with painkillers. But if I ask her if she's pregnant, I can bill our government health insurance program X amount of dollars. And this is the billing code for it, Michelle. My job, if y'all don't, you can't see, but it's on the floor. (laughs) Oh, and it, and it kept going because he's like, but if she does the test, So the first is just a code for asking. The second is another code. If the patient actually pees in the cup and you do the test. Wow. And then because it was at the end of the day and the patient actually came after 5 PM, which counts as after hours, we bill them X amount more because it's an after hours visit. And in that entire moment, my reality just came to this screeching halt where I realized 
you know, the entire time I was working at this clinic, I kept being taught billing codes. Mm -hmm. And I, as a trainee, as you know, my experience of imposter syndrome, never feeling like you're good enough. You don't know enough, this constant competition of you have to be perfect. I thought, damn, I don't know these billing codes. Right. I went to school in Ireland. Like how would I know local billing codes? Right. Right. But I was just absorbing them, writing them down, being like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. They're going to think I'm like insufficient as a student because I don't know these codes. And then I realized in that moment, I never once was taught anything, not one thing about actual practice of medicine. And I had just been taught a whole bunch of billing codes. And it, it hit me in that moment because it, all throughout that month, he had just been saying the patient came in with this cough, blah, blah, blah. That's billing code blah. And I would just write that down, but there's no explanation. And in that moment, I don't know why I hadn't put two and two together, but in that moment, he said it so clearly. And I realized the reason he was telling me billing codes is because he mentally was going through that checklist that he had to, because he does have a fiscal responsibility to the clinic, Mm -hmm. but he was just going through this mental checklist of how can I build OHIV and get the most out of this (laughs) visit. I feel like, and as I'm listening to you say this, I also feel like uh, you're, you you had mentioned something, I'm sorry, about not feeling, you felt inadequate, or you had also said like, oh, she yeah. should ask and kind of the imposter syndrome. Uh, yeah, and no wonder because your natural thought pattern and your natural caregiver uh, talent that you have innately inside of you, you were, it was almost like that was going to be suppressed when you were there because you had to override it with billing codes and business or however they needed to run totally. business, which is so unnatural to human, to, to caring for someone. Yeah, <laughs> a completely unnatural, but it's something that you have to learn. And it's not that, you know, you want it to take away from the human connection, yeah. but it does. It does, yeah. Well, totally. I, I feel like maybe it's especially in that environment, maybe. Totally. Okay. Not saying it's all bad, but, and and that's the thing, like everyone has to make their living. Everyone has to run their business. I have to run my business now too, but I don't ever want to be governed Mm -hmm. by money. I don't ever want to be governed by how can I make the most out of this person? I never want to be governed by, I know that there's, you know, this, thing that is concerning this patient, but I'm going to just brush it under the rug with medication rather than actually speaking to them out of their worries, out of their pain. I never want to be governed by just bandaging aches and pains and ailments with pharmaceuticals. I never want to be governed by propagating the continuation of chronic diseases rather than actually healing them. And everything in my environment and this is not all environments but this is what I got exposed to and I think it was for a reason everything in my environment was all the things that I just said I don't want to be governed by and it just hit me so hard that day and I realized this is not for me I am not healing anybody I know that I will become numb I know I will become you know shorter in the time that I give my patients. I can't sit with five patients all day long and run this business. Right. You can't. 
No. And I don't know how to do it any other way is the problem. And so I do now, like now I actually just see five patients a day, which is so like full circle. I just realized in this very moment, but um, I just realized in that clinic on that evening, I would so much rather be the person that helps you heal from home or through your lifestyle and helps you truly feel better than the person that's going to make you feel dismissed shut down, uh, interrupted, not heard, not seen. I want to do the exact opposite. And that is how I ended up in health coaching. Yeah. Yeah. That's a perfect uh, segue into exactly what I wanted to speak on next. So, you know, hearing all of that, I mean, it's, it's very clear that you are so passionate about this and I don't know why, but I just now, as you were saying that I started to feel a little emotional because I think, um, just even, um, as women in general, I do feel that we are dismissed in a lot of things and we always have to, uh, work harder silently and just be better than everyone, uh, at whatever we're doing so that we can even just have an inkling of being successful. At least that's, I think a lot of our experience, maybe not everyone. Um, so especially in healthcare, when there have been so many, uh, what's the word, I guess, health conscious practices that have come up and wellness has really taken a complete turn, which is very exciting, but it is also overwhelming because there's so much out there that you don't necessarily know how to navigate it. You maybe know you've been dismissed from your doctor several times and you just have given up and you just think, well, this is how I'm going to feel because no one can help me. I'm being dismissed. I'm tired of taking medication. You try to Google things and take it into your own hands, but um, in comes somebody like you who had the conviction and uh, the talent and everything that you had to create what you've created, which is so incredible. Uh, how, yeah, I guess to anybody listening or that's in that that position, like how is it different? How is your your business model and your, I guess, is it a practice? Excuse me if I don't yeah. know how to say no, it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I guess, how is it different? You said now you do only get to see five patients a day. Yeah. How, how Can you explain to us kind of how it works if we were to work with you maybe? That might be helpful. So I do two variations of service. One is one-on-one coaching okay. and the other is more video-based self-led learning, but I still develop your plan and then your ongoing learning is just governed by pre-recorded video lectures and resources that I've put together for you. The reason why I have these two different um, levels of service is just honestly, because some people need a lot of one-on-one care. Some people don't need a lot of one-on-one care. And obviously there's monetary differences between the two as well, but it just means that I can help the most people where they are and with what they're comfortable with or what they're comfortable investing. What I do is I, no matter what level of service you're getting, I always meet with clients initially for an hour and a half in their first appointments. And I talk through absolutely everything from where they were born, all the different soils they've lived on their, you know, their youth, your adolescent history, their um, teenage years, their adult lives, their sexual history, their um, dental history, 
I talk about their bowel movements. What's the color and consistency of their period bleed? If I'm talking to a woman, what is their, you know, if they're an older man, we talk about hair growth and fall patterns. Like we talk about everything. Even if you can't yeah. with, you know, most people come to me with things like gut disturbances or um, digestive mm, concerns, mm-hmm. PCOS or fertility concerns, um, or just, you know, hormonally governed things like acne and having really uncomfortable periods. Those are probably my two big niches, but no matter what you come to me with, we still cover everything because to me, I actually want to sit down with you like a friend. We get so intimate so quickly. Like you don't just start talking about <laughs> movements with just, <laughs> just anyone. <laughs> but we do. And I think it's so important to talk about all these things, like all, you know, the different places that you've traveled. Did you get sick in those places? Or when you bleed on the first day, is your blood more like cherry red or tomato red, clot or no clot? All these things make such a difference. Have you had braces, wisdom teeth removal? How many times have you taken antibiotics in your life? All these things are vital signs. And I cannot, if someone comes into me saying that they're having trouble, um, you know, using the bathroom regularly and they're dealing with some constipation or they have some degree of IBS or whatever it is along those lines, I cannot just focus in on gut health Mm -hmm. and dismiss everything else because we're one big ecosystem. And often there are so many different points of impact elsewhere in the body that you don't even consider talking about that actually make a shift on, on the symptoms that you come in with the symptoms that are top of mind for you. So that's what we do. And that's why it actually, the first appointment takes an hour and a half is because we're going into depth on everything. And that is something I could never have done. No, I, I can't think of a time that I've ever spent more than, you know, you know, I spent more time in the waiting room than I do in, in with the physician, unfortunately. Um, I've, I've had a lot of issues um, in that area myself, like years trying to figure those things out. And, um, I have also realized, tell me if I'm wrong on this, but I'm not sure if you had just said this, but is there, you know, do you see a lot of correlation between, you know, your mental health and also the signs in your body? I know that's something that can be very strong too, that you said we're one big ecosystem. So the fact that you would spend an hour and a half with somebody, like if I'm spending an hour and a half with somebody speaking about that, and that's my, my caretaker, my physician, I would feel so cared for and heard. Mm -hmm. And I just think that is so beautiful. And it's, get that. <laughs> no, exactly. And it's so important. You, you're, I think that's the biggest thing that really occurred to me when I was still in the medical field is no one is leaving feeling any better than when they came in or if there are, it's rare. And right. now I make it my mission that I want this person to actually feel like a weight has been lifted off their chest when they leave this call. I don't want them to be ushered out, you know, quickly or in a rush or without due care, due diligence, the attention that they need. And specifically the way that I do this is I don't just do an interview 
for an hour and a half, we actually talk it through. I want it to be a learning session because at the end of this care, the end of this time that we have together, I want you to be able to go out into the world and thrive on your own. I don't want you to need me. I want you to actually be so in the driver's seat and have such autonomy over your own health and how you're feeling at any given moment, this acute awareness. I want that to develop for your own body of, if I woke up like this today, I know exactly why. And I also know exactly what to do about it. And I'm not just flailing in this mess, you know, of, I have no idea what's going on. I'm trying everything and nothing's working. And that is what makes it so impactful. And I think that's what makes me a, health, a good health coach. If I do say so myself, is because <laughs> you actually do come out of it with more awareness and, and, and education on your health than ever before or through any other services I've seen. And probably a plan. I mean, you create a plan of action. Uh-huh. Because I feel like that's also a worry is not only do I not know what's going on with me and uh, I'm confused and like you said, flailing, but where do I go from here? Okay, now what? <laughs> so after that initial intake call, I go and I develop a whole lifestyle plan for you. So the lifestyle plan is very heavily based in nutrition, mm-hmm. but it also encompasses exercise, cycle syncing, if you're a woman, um, healthcare practices, like even facial acupuncture for some people, hair oiling, skincare regimes, like everything. This is full service. And then we meet again. We actually have a 45 minute to an hour long call where you and I sit down together and we go through your plan step-by-step. So you fully understand it, fully feel comfortable with, you know, what I've put together. If you don't, you just say, so we make adjustments And then if this is the one-on-one coaching program, we meet every two weeks for at least half an hour to do little updates, to talk about how you're, how you're doing on the plan, what you need more of, what, you know, you're ready to adjust, how to actually get off the plan. And we do this for four months, healing you and graduating you off the plan. So when you're done, you're actually able to just live life without Mm -hmm. this more rigid set of instructions, but you've learned such, like I said, awareness of what makes your body feel good that you do end up taking so many lessons with you Mm -hmm. and continue to feel amazing. And even in between those biweekly appointments, all my clients have text access to me if they're one-on-one clients. So Imagine today, Ash, you woke up and you were like, okay, I'm on my program, but I have a business dinner and I know that I'm supposed to be eating like X amount of things on my plan. And there's still so much flexibility, but even with that, people love being super specific because it just feels good. You could simply just text me and say, Hey, Mish, I'm going to this restaurant. This is the menu. What do you think I should have? And it's so simple for me to go through and be like, okay, like this is this, according to what your needs are, would be so great for you. Or like you woke up with a headache. What do you do? You woke up and you have a really aggressive period. What do you do? You're at the grocery store and don't know which of, you know, a handful of things to buy. What do you do? So it's such full on care by the end of it it truly has felt like an evolution for you. Yeah. I don't even think that I realized it was so in depth like this. I mean, this is, this is so beautiful to me that you've created something like this 
because I don't know of, I can't think of one person or one uh, physician, anybody that I would know, or just even your general doctor that goes into the depth that you have with this. And it, it makes you feel, I even think of it from a perspective of what if you feel isolated and you truly don't even, you don't have anyone, maybe you don't have family, you don't have anybody kind of uh, with that support. So to have a support system like you and like the program that you essentially personalize, you personalize each program for them. I, I am, I am astounded like in the best way (laughs) right now. And I think you're really changing lives. So if anyone's listening to this right now and you feel maybe called to this, um, I think this would be an incredible opportunity because I think you started something that's like one in a million. (laughs) I really wanted to, like I said, take everything that I learned from being a patient, being a caregiver and being a physician and plug in all the empty spaces that I saw as being the roadblocks to healing. And luckily I work for myself. I'm not governed by a government. I'm not governed by an insurance agency. I'm not governed by anyone except me. I can do whatever I want. I can design whatever I want. And I really just poured my heart and soul into creating the service that would lead to the most benefit for the most amount of people. And that's like my lifelong mission now. Oh, this, that was so, this is so beautiful. I'm so thankful to have had you on here to share all of this with everybody. I mean, you have an incredible story. Um, I'm definitely uh, thankful that I'm able to put it here and to get it out there for you and be like another vessel to have that out into the world, because I think more people need to hear this and know that they're, I don't know that there's just people out there that truly are passionate one with what they do and that they care. Another thing that's inspiring is the way that you took all of this into your own hands. And I think that's a great message. Um, You had these certain convictions and you said, you know what, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to be the change. And I just think that we need more of that. And I'm extremely inspired by this, um, this entire message. Like just, wow. I don't really have any other great words. (laughs) I'm just like, wow. Um, it's, It's not easy at all. And I wasn't graceful through the period by any means, but despite all of the resistances that I faced, and I promise you like any resistance you can think of, I faced it during this transition. I just knew I down the line would absolutely regret not doing it. And that was more powerful to me than appeasing society, appeasing expectations. I use the word conviction a lot, but that truly was so strong for me that I knew, even if I don't know what my business is going to look like, even if I don't know, you know, if this is going to work, if it's not going to work, if I'm going to be able to thrive, if I'm going to be successful, if I'm going to be able to make the impact that I want, I just knew I had to try that gut feeling in your soul. When you know that you're called to do something, I know, I just know for a fact that's God putting a spirit inside you or the universe putting a higher calling inside you. And it would be such a disservice to that calling if we didn't at least try. And Mm. it's not like I, I didn't do anything 
you know, recklessly, I made sure I had all, all my ducks in a row. I had all my board exams. I have my medical degree. If I ever needed to go back to medicine, I can. Like I have all of that organized. And I think that's what gives me power mm. that I always had to fall back. But I owed it to myself and I owed it to my sense of fulfillment and joy and this idea that I could make a difference that I like had the audacity to have. Yeah. Try it. I think sometimes that's, that's all it takes. I'm sorry. My dog's crying in the background. I'll tweet that. But yeah, I think sometimes that's all it takes is you having that audacity. That's such a good word. Um, because I, I think I was reading something the other day and it said that, you know, a lot of the people that we see that are successful or like have true fulfillment in life. It's not that they are just so much better than everybody. Like, I think there's a certain level of excellence. Sure. Uh, but it's also, yeah, like you said, the audacity, if I don't at least try this, how will I know? Exactly. And no one else at, at least in my story, very few people believed in that vision because let's just be objective here. Who leaves medicine, right? Like who have you heard of maybe in today's day and age where there's like this whole startup culture and yeah. a lot of like tech entrepreneurs and whatnot. So doctors are leaving their typical career paths to right. go into that, but like, that's new. Yeah. That, what I'm doing is new too. So it just was not the most, you know, normal thing to do this, but God didn't put, or you, the universe, whatever you believe in, whatever higher power you believe in, it, it did not put that inkling, that idea, that passion, that fire in everyone's mind. It just was placed in yours. Yes. Oh, so they're not going to get it. And it's not their responsibility to get it. It's your responsibility to get it and do something with it. Oh yes. You are preaching today. I love this right up my alley. It's it, that's so true because I actually heard something. I'm trying to remember what podcast or something that I listened to, but it's, it said something very similar about, you know, you might, you might have that idea from God or this, this was placed inside of you and only you have that specific vision. But the thing is, if you don't execute it and bring it to fruition and bring it to life, you're going to see it. It's going to come out because that idea was somewhere floating, maybe not the specific one you had, but it was there all along. And if you don't capture that and take it in and say, I just had this idea, I need to, I need to work with this. I don't know what I'm feeling. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know what I see exactly, but I'm just going to go for it. If you don't do that, I promise you, you're going to wake up in a year later, that idea you had, someone has already executed it and you're going to, Yeah. No, so, so sorry to cut you off. I was, I don't no, know no. all of that, but you have to have faith in that feeling. You have to have faith in yourself. I think a lot of the time, what stops us from executing is the idea of, I can't do it or self-doubt or how will I do it? But why not you? Mm-hmm. And I, I used to have those feelings all the time. And then I just started asking myself, just give me one piece of evidence, one piece of evidence or why you can't and I couldn't come up with anything yeah so if I don't act on it and I also don't have any reason to not act on it then the only thing standing in my way is me and I know at that point I was 28 29 I knew you know I had spent almost 30 years on this path and now all of a sudden everything was going to just like go up in flames 
I did not want to be 60 and still living that unfulfilled life where I was sick and depressed and anxious and unhealthy and unhappy and couldn't see tomorrow, didn't want to wake up. I didn't want to live like that for the rest of my life. So if I, I actually gave myself a year, I'm going to give myself a year to figure this out. If it works, it works. And if it doesn't, I'll go back to medicine. And it, it worked. It worked. Suffice it to say. So I think it more than worked. <laughs> I would, I would say it's thriving from my perspective. <laughs> thank God, thank God. I am just surrounded by so many blessings. I feel so thankful that I get to do what I love. And, you know, one of the things that you said to me when we started this call was that I had such flawless skin. And I just kept thinking when you said that, that in this story, my gosh, the amount of healing that my body my skin, my hair, my soul, my joy has experienced because it's holistic. You cannot, I actually talk about this a lot. There's this thing, this idea called primary food, primary food in your life is actually things like joy, spirituality, creativity, finances, home cooking, relationships, home environment, social life, career, but that's primary food secondary food is the food on your plate. Okay. Wow. And even if the food on your plate, which is like the go-to point for most of us, that's where we start this journey. Even if the secondary food was perfect, you would still not find help if your primary food was not taken care of. Wow. And in being able to address those things, the things that you do have control over, because there's going to be things that you don't, and that's fair, but if you can optimize all of those lifestyle factors that make you, you make you want to wake up every day and make you feel like you're whole and not a shell of your true spirit, just existing through life. Just, you know, I say surviving rather than thriving. If you can do that, you'll hit the jackpot in terms of what your higher purpose is. I think that, yeah, I, I feel very connected to that. Um, I hope a lot of the listeners here feel connected to that too, because that's very um, insightful. I feel like you have a level of self-awareness kind of going through everything that you've been through and then creating this. Um, and you just have a different perspective being on that end of it than I think just, I would say like a normal person does. Um, this was so insightful for me, everything that you just said. I am probably going to want to listen to this back. This is going to be one of those podcast episodes that you're going to want to save and be able to re-listen to because I feel like there were so many things that you said in here that uh, makes you really think uh, about your life because who wants to go through life just kind of going day to day and not really knowing how you're getting through tomorrow. Yeah. And then the whole thing about uh, your food, your actual food that you eat being secondary, that is so, so strong. I've even experienced things myself you know, through certain things, like a lot of people these days have, you know, certain anxiety symptoms and how much that affects your body and your nervous system. And um, like you said, if you could be eating all the healthy actual foods and not having everything else regulated, um, you're still not going to have the greatest outcome. So to be able to look at everything as a whole is just essential really. At this yeah. point. So thank you so much for sharing all of that. When I tell you, I think we've been on the call for an hour, but I could <laughs> If, if we were just hanging out at a coffee shop or grabbing tea or something, I probably would be talking with you for several hours. We I have more day. questions. So, oh, definitely. I'm like, I might have to have you on again because there were so many <laughs> things you said that I feel like 
I didn't want to like, I could have went in depth on several topics. Let me just say that. Um, could, okay, so to kind of round this out, you've given us so many insightful little nuggets, but to kind of round this out, is there anything that you would say to, or some advice or maybe a helpful tip or tool to give somebody in the wellness realm that is um, maybe going through something similar that you were, that we spoke about earlier in, in their health journey or even in their life. And they're looking to kind of go on this new wellness journey, the health journey. What, what kind of advice would you give them right now as they're starting? So there's two parts to it that just come to me right now. Number one is actually just an example. Um, and the example I wanna give you is, you know, when you go on vacation and you eat everything and you're maybe drinking every day and you're super lazy and you're just chilling, you are just living your best life, but how good do you feel? You feel fine. Like it doesn't matter what you're eating, what you're drinking, you feel good. You are in your prime. Like you're glowing. Somehow your body feels great. You have the best sleep of your life. You wake up feeling happy. You just feel good. And you could come home. You could be, you know, back on your health tip and try to perfect all of those things, but feel like it's such a struggle. Tell me what the difference is there. Like mm -hmm. at home, you're doing all the right things, quote unquote. Right. But you're still feeling like you're not fully present. You're not feeling as relaxed. You're mourning that life that you had just had or experienced. Whereas you're, you know, when you're away on vacation, you're doing whatever you want for the most part. You're living intuitively, mm. but you're joyful and all the different aspects of your life are just so in line with you feeling happy and you feeling at peace and you being authentically you, kicking back, disconnecting from the things that don't make you feel good, that in turn your body feels incredible. Wow. I want you to hold on to that example and just consider that when you navigate day-to-day -day life, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have those feelings be isolated to not, you know, areas of your life where you're not in your actual daily life. You should be able to feel like that every single day. Yes. And that's not a pipe dream. That's not some like woo woo concept. That's a, a very real possibility. You have to just be able to design your life like that. And like I said before, there's a lot of things that you don't have full control over but there are things that you do and they make a difference. And part two actually ties that point in is I actually want people to sit back and journal on four points. Even if you're not a big journaler, these four points and just reflecting on them makes such a difference to opening your eyes to what is serving you in life and what is taking away from your sense of self. Point number one is I have my pin. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Point number one, Ashley, is what filled me with joy today? What made me exuberantly happy? Point number two is what depleted my energy today? Mm -hmm. Point number three is what am I so excited for tomorrow? What am I thrilled about tomorrow? And number four is what am I dreading tomorrow? And if you sit down every single night and you reflect on that past day and what is coming in the next by the end of even a week you should be able to really isolate out key factors in your life that are growing you and depleting you 
And like I said before, even if there are things that you have no control over, certain responsibilities, right. certain, you know, factors of life, they are what they are. They're the cards we've been dealt. They're not always perfect. They're not always lovely. They're not always ideal, but there are factors that you do have a control over. And those are the things, if you can optimize anything, it's the idea of isolating those factors, being able to just optimize those. So you have more capacity to deal with everything else. And you have more capacity to carve your life out in a way that feels more true to you with you in the driver's seat rather than life running it, running the show, however it wants. Yeah. Um, I, everything that you just said was just incredible and so insightful. I am definitely, I am going to take that and um, <laughs> that I kind of just, um, I journal and dabble and stuff here and there, but I think that those four questions really do something so important. And, uh, that's, kind of what we spoke upon before about how everything is interconnected. And it's like, we're not just talking about, oh, you're a doctor who turned health coach and I'm helping people with their health. It is so much deeper than that. It is about, like you said, I love what you said about designing your life. That's something I'm such an advocate for. That's a message that um, I love to share with others as well. And I think that the more uh, motivation and just inspiration we can draw from others like you to have the audacity and the courage to move forward, even in fear, um, or not even in fear, but just move forward despite our fears and yes. despite the challenges, like you said, that we can't change. I think the more that we see that and we see others doing it, uh, the more that we can do it for ourselves. And I think that's what all this is. Um, we're all connected. And I think that is what life is about. And I'm so thankful that you shared all of that with us today. Uh, thank you so much. This yeah. was, this was like a, just a beautiful message I'm great for people to hear it. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for having this platform where you bring so many of us and our stories out and into the open. You know, we, I know you had Frankie on recently. I just did like the, the roots retreat with her. I love her. I just know there's so many. Sorry. You, I wanted to be there so badly. It didn't work out this time, but next time. <laughs> I wanted to be there too. I actually ended up having to do it virtually, but I, I just cannot wait for the next one. I'm going to go as an attendee. I hope to yes. see you there too, because I just want to give both of you the biggest squeezy hugs in real I know. life. But I think you do such an incredible job of creating a safe space for us to tell our stories in ways that we don't really get to, even though we embody them every day. I haven't spoken about, you know, my journey like this in such depth in a long time. So I appreciate you for creating an environment and a community of women that are seeking the same freedom and seeking the same motivation and seeking the same energy you are doing God's work by doing this. So I just, from the bottom of my heart and on behalf of all of us, I just want to tell you how important this work is and how much we appreciate you. Thank you so much for those kind words. That was so, so sweet. I, I feel emotional listening to this (laughs) happens to me every time. Uh, I don't get like emotional often, but every time I speak to another woman, it just reminds me of how much we need this support system. Um, in life. And I think it's important. And thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I said before that I needed permission to do what I need to do at some point. And I hope that this can be your listeners moment of permission to go do what you need to do too. 
I want to say a huge thank you to Michelle for being on today's podcast. And if you guys want to hear more from her, please look down in the description below. I will have all of her information and more ways to reach her there. But thank you all for listening. Please do not forget to rate and subscribe if you haven't. And also send to a friend if you think that they would love this episode or this content. Thank you all for listening and I'll see you in the next episode.